Yeah, we have a we have a fully f***ing, you know featured content management system with a with a interactive UI and forms and stuff right built in GameMaker that we use to manage our asset pipeline right like yep. yeah is GameMaker is... good for that no, no. <laughs> Scotch shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 416 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the Games Programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the Miscellaneous Programmer. I'm Sam and I'm the Artiste. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is May 19th, 20 Jubilee. Before we get started, we have a warning, there's going to be profanity in this show. And we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net, whose money we grabbed and then we crammed it into our mic tubes and uh, blasted it out into our faces Mm -hmm. in shredded money confetti, Mm -hmm. which just helps keep us motivated to... uh, to keep things going. Yeah, we so, don't actually use it. We just shred it into confetti. Yeah, we yeah. figure that say, money's imaginary anyway, right? So might as well take a shower with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we everybody made it up. So yeah. you can you can use it as confetti. You can eat it. Yeah, uh, just like our grandpa sh- used to say, you know? Money's fake. Mm-hmm. Use it as a shower. Money's not real, but it is a condiment. So <laughs> you, can, you can pickle it and use it as a relish. I don't know if you guys You can pickle that. anything. You can, yeah. Yeah. Now you you really want to pickle the the twenties because people say like twenty dollar bills have a lot of like traces of cocaine on it. So yeah, that it's gives so old. Like it's like a nineteen twenties recipe. Yeah, gives recipe an extra kick. <laughs> <laughs> Probably all money has drugs all over it because like what else are you using cash for these days? Yeah, yeah for just, real. just drugs. That's the only mm-hmm. thing. You know, if you wanted to go back to the old Coke experience, the old Coca Cola experience when it used to have Coke. Coca leaves in it. Just take some twenty dollar bills, soak it in that Coke, and I bet it would just dissolve it anyway. So they wouldn't even yeah. know it was in there. That's and true. then now Coca-Cola you got Coca eats like everything. You put yeah, like so a, now you got some uh, some old school Coke Coke. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you put Wolverine in some in a bottle of, in a two liter if he would just melt. I think from, he would just come out and just his adamantium skeleton. <laughs> Yeah, he'd grow back though. He'd grow back because he always grows back. There's nothing yeah, he can get. He can get shot in the brain. If I, re- if I remember my movies correctly. Yes. He can get shot in the brain and die. And then yeah. his body's like, well, technically we're dead, but we're going to go ahead and just squeeze this bullet out and then you're yep. alive again. Which is weird. That's a good trick. Because it's one thing Honestly, to say, like, you have increased regeneration, right? But it's like, you have like regeneration in places where it, it it ain't even. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like full on brain regeneration? Amazing. What? That's not even a thing. He can regenerate. Now, one thing that I I thought was a real missed opportunity because you guys, there was the Wolverine uh, Origins movie, and yeah. they showed because apparently Wolverine was born in like the mid eighteen hundreds or something like that, oh, and yeah. like f- like fought in the. Uh, I say apparently, I mean it's all fucking made up. So you know, apparently, <laughs> this is a true thing about this fictional character. <laughs> yeah, it's canon. He was born real. Yeah. And I guess he like fought in the Civil War. And he's he a, like he's a big war guy. Yeah, he was just like several is wars. There a war? I'm gonna be in it. And he just he just went to all the wars. Yeah, and it always seemed weird that uh, like he always seemed kind of like a standoffish character. But the fact that he you know has been mortal and essentially has like everybody that he was friends with when he was young and like all the stuff everybody he's ever known is dead, right? Yeah. And he and saw like, a lot of just like really brutal stuff, you know. In first person, so mm-hmm. yeah, and it's just the fact story. that like when he shows up, you know, in X in the X Men movies, he's he's kind of gruff, but otherwise like a fairly like regular 
dude. <laughs> and it just seems very weird to me that the, sh- the show never unpacks this fact about him. Well, maybe, you know? maybe part of his regenerative capability is his mental side of things. You know what I mean? Maybe. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got really great mental health. Yeah. Incre- that makes sense, actually. <laughs> seems like it would. I mean, a big part of mental health is just resilience, you know? And if, if he can get he shot can heal, in the head and he can it. heal through anything, yeah. any tra- any emotional or physical trauma, he can just heal right Well, because in the end, it's all just brain chemistry, right? So, like, if he can just get his brain – if his brain chemistry is constantly resetting back, right, to mm-hmm. – Whatever it's because kind of the, the premise of this and like all these kinds of immortality shows and you know characters and stuff, right? It's kind of always that they like they have some state they always revert back to, mm-hmm. like whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a quick like, save. Yeah, it's what our bodies kind of do <laughs> anyway, save. but but they don't do it that extremely. And and what that reset point is changes over time as you get older mm-hmm. and stuff, right? But with all these other these like immortal characters just like have a different kind of a reset, but mm-hmm. that would also sort of imply that because like how does the body stuff. differentiate good from bad changes, yeah. you know? So like is because like um, like a tr- emotional trauma is also a kind of learning, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. changes your yeah. brain chemistry, changes like some of the structures in your brain. That's true. And then you know learning is also a kind of learning, right? Where it changes your brain chemistry, changes structures of your brain. Can Wolverine do math? Is that what you're? Is that yeah. Your so can he like? Can he count how many is, claws he has? Like whatever his education level was, it's a good thing he was an adult when he got. Right, so he's like he can't right. learn because his brain cannot forge new pathways because yeah, it always heals back. But also he can't he can't gain muscle right because yeah. because that comes That's from true. like the repair of damaged muscles and it changes them. So really, is he's just kind of like a dumb static mm-hmm. being who can never learn or grow in any dimension. Yeah, I mean. That's what it should be. That's a, a much less interesting character, though, because you can't get him to <laughs> yes. do anything or learn anything or go anywhere. He can still kind of he could still probably tell some fun stories with that, though. You know, yeah. that's honestly though kind of a horrifying existence. Oh yeah, right? yeah. it's just like he's it's immortal. True. He can't he can't die, but also he can't live. Yeah, it's like know? being that one, like a tortoise. <laughs> you know, I mean, they live for like two hundred years, but they don't really do. They're just chilling much. They're just being, they're just torting, just torting it torting up. for 200 yeah. years. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, you guys, let's go on to some questions. Yeah, let's go. Now, there, there's some, there is some industry news. Some stuff happened with Overwatch 2 this week, but we're kind of letting the dust settle on that because emotions are high. Not our emotions, but, you know, yeah, the I, emotions, I know the emotions out there on the internet. And, uh, you know, Objective fact reporting tends to come about a week afterwards yeah. for most things. The gaming community uh, is not known for being level-headed, I think, no. is a fair Definitely statement. Not. Yes. Yeah. So we'll just let that one sit and we'll just, you know, if if it turns out to be an interesting story with some lessons in it, we'll talk about it next week. And if not, well, and we won't. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, let's get on to questions. Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. And the highest upvoted question comes from Bscotch Carl, who says, How do you measure your self worth and daily accomplishments? I can clean the whole house, do the laundry, work my hours, cook dinner, mow the yard, and organize the basement all in one day. But by the time the kids and my girlfriend get home, I can't remember a thing that I've done, and I feel like I've done nothing all day. Mm-hmm. How do you acknowledge and convince yourself that by the end of the day, 
your day was worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. So we, this was the one that we answered last week in a failed initial podcast recording because yeah. Mike wasn't actually on. I mean, anything could have happened. It was mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. It was, <laughs> we're not blaming anyone in particular. Seth's Mike wasn't on. And then you're like, anything could have happened. <laughs> we don't know whose mic was or wasn't well, on. But we don't know uh, who prevented it from being turned on, right? I'm assuming. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. it could have been, right? honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've been trying to sabotage this guy for for a long time. Yeah, that was my. Yeah, the most important thing is that we, you know, as a team, kind of learn from whatever happened mm-hmm. and, and move and it forward is strong. That, yeah, that yeah. that when somebody fucks up on a team, the team fucked up. You know. Yeah. So yeah, blame just, is shared. Credit is just life. Credit you know. is mine. Cre- yeah, um, and mine alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping that I would have forgotten enough of like answering this question after a week had passed. Like, I don't remember exactly what my answers are, but I feel like the same pathways in my brain are activating again, you know? I mean, that's good. Just, I was hoping it But yeah, it was one of those things, because I always feel like I'm, I feel like I'm reading something, you know, if I like. crazy? Yeah, if I have to like think through. But anyway, just, that was just giving that heads yeah. up in case like so for I'll, some I'll kind of go off the rails here, you know? Yeah, I'll kind of kick us off with like a little, a little kind of breakdown of the question and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So, so Carl's talking about is basically, uh, I think it's kind of like two different aspects of this question. One is that he's talking about like all the stuff that he did in a day, but then afterwards he can't quite remember all the stuff that he did because he was just kind of bouncing around. And then it's kind of hard to feel like you actually achieved anything because, you know, because you're things blind. That you, yeah, the things that you did are like oftentimes things that you always do a lot of or you were planning on doing and, and, you, and they don't seem noteworthy, right? So you're not like keeping track well, of and them. Well, also so stuff. much of doing things is making it so that problems no longer exist, right? So when you're looking around, you'd be like, what did I do today? And, and all you have available is the absence of problems. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you can't see that you did something. It's just yes. – Yeah, it's very much like the uh, – like the the garbage uh, collectors were like on strike in in mm-hmm. Paris, right? And like all of a sudden, you realize, wow, these people do a lot. And it's incredibly <laughs> yes. important, but when it's being done, then it feels like literally nothing is happening because nothing is happening because yeah. the streets aren't filling with garbage, and that was the yeah. whole point of it, you know? Yeah, it's like so security there is and IT and all these things, right? Like, yeah. You just can't tell. So so there is that dimension to it. So there's like, there's some strategies that you can use to kind of feel like when you're looking back at your day uh, or your week or whatever, that you can, you know, feel, feel proud of what you did. Um, what ends up being a primarily a visibility problem, right? Like yes. first and foremost, which is, is there a place where you are noting the things that you're doing while you're doing them where they don't just disappear? So I know, I know a lot of, a lot of, you know, to do applications and stuff like that. If you're keeping track of stuff on your phone. Um, you know, when you check something off, it's gone. It just, it just goes away, which is great if you're, you know, if if you want to kind of have like a clear deck, but, uh, oftentimes I know for myself, I found that I like to keep the stuff that I've done today visible, actually, depending on how I'm working for the day, I might have, uh, even just like a sticky note or something, right. With some of these to do's and I just cross them off. I don't like completely scrape them out just gently so you can still see that you did the thing, right? Uh, And similarly with like, I know on iOS, the Notes app has like little kind of checklist buttons, right? Uh, Like radio buttons um, that don't actually cause stuff to disappear. So you can keep track of stuff kind of on there. And then really it's about taking a practice of just a beat, right? Taking a moment to like, to reflect on stuff or... If you have a an, you know an audience who's interested in giving you the floor for a second, so you know your partner, kids, 
friends, coworkers, whatever, saying, hey, can I share some stuff I, I got done today? In like a just a purely positive way, not one of these, you're not trying to bludgeon people with like, what haven't you done today? But just say. <laughs> you can even hey, make like, it into a social thing, you know, where it's like yeah. everybody shares, here's what we, here's what we did today, you know. Yeah. Um, and that kind of thing is really nice because it gives you space to see the effect of the stuff that oftentimes Tad mentions that point is like, this is this invisible stuff. You know, um, if you make the bed every day, if you take out the trash, et cetera, et cetera, no one's going to comment on it probably because it's weird. It's like, it's not really a comment. They will thing. comment if you don't. Yes. You know. So I think, and I think it's important <laughs> to have a little bit of, of balance there actually, because it's, it's so easy to have it be the case that you only get essentially punished or punished or like um, you only get attention for not doing things as opposed to finding some structure in which you can have a moment where it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't need to be crazy self-congratulatory or long. It's just like, give yourself a moment where you can get that uh, attention from other people for doing the thing that you did. It just, it's like, it's very easy to give someone kudos for like, Oh, thanks for taking care of the trash. I'm so yeah. glad you did that. Boom, I, done. I think there's another kind of like psychological aspect to this, which flies under the radar, which is you may have done all these things throughout the day, but I would bet that you did them in sort of like little bursts probably. Mm-hmm. And with some, some kinds of uh, derailments in between. So like uh, for me, kind of a good example would be like if I have like three or four kind of like big chores that I want to take care of throughout the day, if I if I kick off the day with like just doing other stuff, right, and then I'll like go do one of the things and then I'll go, you know, I'll go end up on YouTube mm-hmm. and like do a little programming stuff. Then I go do like another little like chore, right? Uh, then like by kind of like spreading them out and then interspersing it with with distractionary things, it's almost like a mental reset where it's kind of like when you walk into the – the kitchen and then you're like, wait, what the fuck am I doing in here? Right. Like there's these transition moments where your brain is like, oh, we're done with that thing. Delete. Right. Yep. Uh, uh, Clear so I think, yeah. So I think if you could, so another good way to do it is kind of to, just to get into, you know, chores mode or whatever and just say, all right, I'm just going to bang out all these things back to back in a sort of like a bucketed way. And that way, by the time you're done with that collection of things, you're not going to forget what you did at the beginning of it because you did it all in, in mm-hmm. one go without, you know, falling down a YouTube rabbit hole between chores or, or whatever the case may be. So then otherwise, if you can, I, I, I think a good a good strat is always like either uh, journaling or um, or even just like getting a white – like a little whiteboard or a marker mm-hmm. board and then putting your to-do stuff on there because then it kind of uh, – it just, I don't know, something about it being written down somewhere. Well, it's, and it's, and it's tactile. Cause I think the problem I have with to do apps is yeah. just that they're on a phone and a phone demands all kinds of other bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. A phone is, is trying to suck you into any number of attention black holes. And so by checking your to do list on a phone, you're, you're just as danger. likely, to, yeah, you're very likely to just stop doing things. Right. <laughs> Which I would actually bad. break this into into sort of two parts based on what you guys have been talking about, right? So, because mm-hmm. this is this is a retrospective view of like what did I do and was it enough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that consists of two things, right? Where one is like I have an idea of my you know for my own self of like what it means for me to do enough, and I can't tell if I have done that, right? Mm-hmm. And the other one is I have a sense of what other people expect me to do and what to them will have been enough if I have done that. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to do is kind of look back and figure out in those two categories, what did I do? Was it enough? Right. Mm-hmm. So I actually don't do this like at all. Um, 
It's probably partly because I don't remember anything, so it would be a useless exercise to even try, you know. So, so over time, my strategy has has been a, a purely present and future focused one, which is I look at so for the question of like social responsibility, I actually look at what other people are doing, right? So like at home with like home chores and stuff, I just I look at what my my, what my wife is doing when she's doing stuff. I'm like. I'm just evaluating it constantly and thinking, oh, should I have done that instead? <laughs> right? You know, like that right. kind of thing, right? Uh, and and otherwise, I just like observe the situation now, right? Or my to-do list or whatever and say, what should I be taking care of now, right? Um, and I don't really look back to evaluate whether or not I did that, if that kind of makes sense, because whether or not those things happened um, only matters for like what the present state is and if I actually like the present state and then otherwise only matters for my relationships and like have I am I maintaining this relationship by managing expectations properly right and and that's about trying to figure out it's like my wife and I try to really explicitly identify like what our responsibility is like we, we've gotten rid a long time ago of the idea that like we can be in trouble with each other for like doing or not doing things, right? Um, like somebody can be frustrated or whatever, but but basically what we both try to do is just like take care of things that need to be taken care of so that mm-hmm. on average, we're just kind of just kind of both doing that, right? And so, and we have stuff that like we each tend to be the one who does and, and that sort of thing. But for the most part, just like when one person's doing some kind of chore activity, then the other person's like, okay, I'll go do some chore activities too, right? And then we're just kind of both doing things at the same time. Mm. And it doesn't really matter what... As long as we look around and we're like, okay, things are fine, you know. Yep. Uh, and I kind of bring that to to work as well, which is which is I just kind of look at what is the state of the stuff that I'm trying to work on, and so I focus on what's coming next. Um, and then every day I just kind of do the same thing. I just like look at what's next, and that's the consequence of whatever I have done previously, all you know, cumulatively put together. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I just like since I can't really remember at all how it all came to be. Then the, <laughs> the effort of like even trying has sort of evaporated. So right? I'm just like, trying to say that that the this whole question of the, the worth aspect, right, which is largely based on the idea of doing stuff, is what yeah. earns your worth, right? Yeah. Um, that one. It's a complicated. It's a complicated way to define your self worth because it makes it yeah. uh, very able to be either essentially mis. mis- Miss, uh, let's see, like, if you have a friend who needs a lot from you in this particular case, right, mm-hmm. um, then you would always feel a sense that you're not, you're enough. not measuring up. Yep. Yeah. Because a big part of it, and this is, we're social creatures, this isn't, it's not like wrong. It's just the case that the people you're with, uh, like defining their expectations, knowing what they need from you, whatever else is a big part of, you know, figuring out how to function in a crew and like do everything together. So it's not necessarily the case that you can't or that you shouldn't take into account those expectations. And like you were saying with Jenny, like knowing what the other person needs to have happen in a particular space, whether it's your house, your yard, how often do we like to have the yard mowed, you know, these things. Um, yeah. But and being collectively agreeing on those, on those kinds of social expectations, right? So like, so especially yeah. for like a household, you know, like, if you haven't agreed on some standard of like you said, how often, how short the grass is, right? Or, mm-hmm. or how clear the sink is or like these kinds of things, right? If, if there aren't agreed upon opinions about what that is supposed to be, then everybody is always not measuring up, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if you have a approximately the same agreed upon sort of standards and then everyone's goal is just to like when they are aware of the thing not meeting that to go then deal with it right mm-hmm. uh and everyone is actually is actively like in good faith 
trying to pay attention and trying to do that. Because the other thing too is like, you know, my for my household, like we're we are an ADHD household, right? Like ADHD autistic household, just like through the roof, so much ADHD and autism going on, right? That we just don't like. At some point in the past few couple of years, we were like, we don't, we shouldn't be trying to follow like what everybody says your household is supposed to be like, right? <laughs> like yeah, you figure out it's your household, it's so. our house, it's our relationship, right? And so, and that was a lot of what. Like we just have clutter, right? Like we we still keep the house clean, right? More or less, but it's cluttered. There's like stuff. There's like little piles of things everywhere, right? Because this is like a classic ADHD house. What do you have that, right? Uh, and for a long time, we were kind of like both upset about this, but we were both doing it, right? right. Which is is actually you were e- upset. You were upset about it though, but. Not because we're like you upset with each like other's it. piles, if that makes sense, yeah. right? And that was like kind of the realization. We're like, yeah. we're both doing this. What what fucking right do we have to be like <laughs> constantly? And there, it been- well, as George Carlin once said, you ever notice how your stuff is stuff, but other people's stuff is shit? shit. Yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> it was like, hey, get, hey, get your shit out of here. I got to put my stuff here. Yeah, and, and in our case, it's easier because we actually both have similar brains, and and actually. So much of what we thought we were supposed to be doing was defined purely externally, not by like our own opposing, you know, internal states. And for people who don't have, who aren't kind of by default on the same page, that makes it harder to notice this stuff where like Mm -hmm. identifying what actually does matter, right? And what doesn't and and trying to figure out, it's all about trying to figure out who people are trying to meet them Mm -hmm. where they're at, right? Because... If if it's not if none of that is taken into account because there's some other externally defined uh, set of benchmarks that you're going for, then it's kind of always the case that even when people are doing their best, right, as in like acting in good faith, like an ADHD person doesn't see piles. They're not there, you know, right? They're like they just aren't there. So like you can't try to keep things tidy because you don't even you literally don't even notice because like to you tidy means there's a there's a pile now now it goes away from your brain. You don't see it anymore unless. You go into some kind of hyper-focus mode, and then all you can see is piles. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and then, and then and you just then clean you, the shit out of the house. And right? then you clean the entire house for yeah. three weeks nonstop, which I, I have the, done. I think the big part of this, though, when it comes to that whole idea of this this, this self-worth aspect and the enough aspect yep. comes down to something we've experienced actually in the studio quite a bit, uh, which is that I think maybe maybe the first couple of years when we were all working together and stuff, and you know, you'd always have – we didn't have a lot of production practices in place, and so we didn't actually have a sense really of – the like we didn't have a measurable sense i would say of the true mountain of work that was left on any given project on any given particular piece of the business or else because typically we had such lax kind of uh, visibility on these things that we could just see maybe the next thing and that was it and then otherwise we were just like well i mean it'll come up when it comes up but that's kind of whatever which has its benefits it does have its benefits uh it has some other very large drawbacks when it comes to being on a larger team right um, and that's sort of what we experienced then as as the, the team grew, which is the inability to identify and see kind of how stuff needs to get done and identify work order and work order improvements, the way in which you, the series in which you get something done and how that affects everybody else becomes actually really, really important as the scale of the operation grows. Uh, but it does do this thing where suddenly you can see actually how much work is left at all times. And you start noticing that anytime you finish a piece of work, not just one piece of work might fill that void that you created, but actually sometimes entire giant new 
projects, entire yeah. new hundred hour things. There's just work. yeah. My the way that I talk about this is just your your to do list until you die is infinitely long, right? And you're gonna hit exactly. some. By the time you die, you'll you'll hit like some point along this infinite list, right? But you're still infinitely away from the possible end of where you could have been had things yeah, had you done things differently, do. had you done things faster, had you done blah blah blah. And right? every problem you solve just changes, like it just moves the problem domain into a different. Space, yeah, so it, does, it just doesn't know. make sense to evaluate your like your current moment based on a metric that is like represented by how much you did of something, right? Yes. Yeah, well, this, yes this is exactly. this is, what this I is why actually... I focus on just like what is the current state, right? And is that fine? And if not, how do I? What do I do about that? What do I do yeah. about that? And how do I? And this, this is why I focus on like my moment to moment work, right? And my and my moment to moment, how do I approach things and process improvements, all that kind of stuff. Is so that I can get better and better in the moment of when I see that something isn't the way I want it to be, yeah. of getting that dealt with quickly so that I can then, you know, move on. Well, to but the I think, I think right? that if there is some anxiety, uh, you know, on Carl's part about where that line is, right, of where have I completed enough things for the day where it's like I've I've sufficiently kind of filled up the bucket for myself, for my my team, my family, whatever. Um, it's something you it's make a, up. It's something you make up, and, but it has to. But this is the thing: is it has to be agreed upon by the people who are affected by the stuff that you do. Yeah, right. Yeah, because if you're doing problem. like towards some invisible, invisible benchmarks that you think like your spouse or family expect mm-hmm. or whatever, and it's not agreed upon, that means that they can't possibly know what you've been doing because they don't even know what you think you're supposed to be doing, right? I mean, I if even you're care evaluating you based doing. on yeah, and if you're evaluating based on how you think they're evaluating this stuff, right? Well, I would actually. I would argue that that's probably where most of it comes from. Right? Oh yeah, definitely. Your, your, your sense of self. So I, I want to kind of like dig into just the the framing of the question in general, which is just that, you know, how do you measure your self-worth and daily accomplishments and how do you know that your day was worthwhile? Yeah. So I, you know, it, yeah. It, implicit in that is the idea that you can have a day that wasn't worthwhile, that you can have a day that wasn't worth living through. Right. <laughs> Which I think is not like I don't think that's a thing. Or where right? you did because a like, bad job and now and that's you, bad. Yeah, right? yeah, you were worthless. Like I have many, many days, as many as I can possibly squeeze in, honestly, where I don't have any daily accomplishments mm-hmm. at, at, at all that you that would sort of like fit under the classical like how many weeds did I pull in the yard? Did I do how many dishes did I you know? Where like I'll I'll get up I'll take care of like just you know basic stuff and then I will go gaming for like as long as yeah, I possibly but, can. But in, <laughs> it's so clear like as you're saying this stuff right because I was a person the words coming out of your mouth like just how arbitrary the distinctions are right because you're like exactly because yeah, I'm doing that, all that kinds of have, stuff. I'm, I'm accomplishing exactly, all kinds yeah. of stuff in like this game with my friends and stuff. But but also you're talking but, about like measuring weed polling as like number of weeds. It's like how you measure your accomplishment of like. Yeah. How good, how good right. of a chores then, yeah, job yeah. you did, right? Yeah. So the real question is just, um, how do you feel, right? Like, are you feeling good about how things are around you, et cetera? If so, then you don't have to do anything about that stuff, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah, maybe there's up. some maybe there's some weeds in my garden, uh, but I don't give a fuck about those right now. I'll worry about them maybe like when they actually cause me any kind of anxiety or stress or when I just can't stand looking at them. Or right? create problems like, for your HOA if you've got one or whatever. You're basically yeah. saying that there's there's an aspect to this self-worth stuff that ideally you build up a bedrock of that isn't influenced by the day-to-day flows of we have stuff. a yeah we've been we've been enculturated, especially in the US, uh into this into this uh productivity 
mindset that there's, there's something that is worth doing and that's productive. And something that's productive is something that uh, you can potentially view as like Something that looks like a job. If you've right? ever worked so, in a grocery cleaning store, cleaning things, or retail, fixing yeah. things, You'll you know, this, if uh, you can lead, you can clean. I feel like it's the best mm-hmm. example. And it's like maybe I just want to. Maybe I'm just gonna fucking lean. Yeah, know? and also that's not even true because leaning takes very little energy, and cleaning, you know, takes a lot. Yeah. So well, it's, a ca- uh, it's an encapsulation of the problem, though, right? Which is like this idea that if you have the ability to relax, then actually what you should be doing is not relaxing. Or, you know, by, and that's yeah, which by, is, which by I someone think is, else's standard. You know what I mean? Yeah. It actually reminds me, I think one of the greatest YouTube videos of all time is the College Humor CEO of Oreo video. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> this, I think, encapsulates Although I so do well. have a bone to pick with its with its core thesis. But that's can- that's fair. But basically, basically, the premise of the video is that the CEO of Oreo is coming in to shoot a promo and talk about all the new flavors of Oreo that they've made. And he he's becoming increasingly upset because apparently all these people working at Oreo keep inventing new flavors of Oreos like Halloween or birthday cake or whatever. And he's like, stop working. Just we've invented the perfect cookie. It's just, amazing. It's a money printing machine. Com- just yeah, and they're making yeah, Oreos. And at one point, somebody's like, "Well, can you at least just like record the lines?" Because people worked really hard on coming up with these new Oreos. And he's like, "Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why is everybody working so hard? Like we're done. We did it. We solved c- cookies, right?" <laughs> Move, move on. Don't even stress about it anymore. But we have this idea that like we have to be doing stuff that looks like, quote, work in order to feel like we did something worthwhile. Or that you that are day. worthwhile, importantly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, like the, like it's the moralization of the stuff that you do, right? Yeah. And, and to me, like if, you're, if you want to be taking and, – and there is like – there's a need to do some degree of – of convincing yourself to do things that need to be done, right? They have to have some mechanism for that. Um, but I think there is, like, the only place that I see for myself personally, like, a moral component is basically about my willingness to do things that need to be done, right? Because I want to be the kind of person that when a thing needs to get done, you can count on me to do it, right? Yep. Like, that's that's the kind of person that I want to be, and that's that's what I then try to be, right? But the the part then that you get to play with is the question of what does it mean for something to need to be done, right? <laughs> because this also yeah. comes down to like we're talking about evaluating things, right? And it comes down to the relative importance that people try to put on stuff. And it's something that I that I've also talked to people in the studio a lot about, right? Is basically like the how important a thing is is measured not by what it is, but how much it needed to get done. That's actually. Mm-hmm. That's the important Or in some it. cases, just who decided it needed to get done and what consequences will they deliver upon you if it Well, that's, yeah. that's now oh, yeah. the, yeah, uh, well, that, but that's part of what defines the, the needs to be done, right? But, yeah. Because right. so much of that is actually external anyway. Like very little of what yes. needs to be done is defined by you, right? But in the spaces that you control, um, those should be defined by, by you and the people who you are accountable to and who are accountable to you in turn, right? is you shouldn't be off on your own being like, okay, well, I've decided what all the important things are, right? Uh, Or handing them down from above and being like, hey, spouse, hey, whatever, right? This is all the stuff that has to be and exactly how it has to be, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how now how you measure yourself worth, right? Like that's, yeah, that's not where where you have, where you have the ability to, to manage identifying what actually is and isn't important. 
um, than you need to. Don't don't make that be an implicit undertaking that you just have, where you're then just constantly guessing and wondering, did I do enough? And especially while that's being tied to your sense of self worth, right? Yeah. Um, did I do enough? The answer is always no. No, you didn't do enough. If you're going to be yeah on the on the the it. infinite checklist of life, there's no such thing as having done enough because there's yeah, always but, infinite uh, more stuff to do. Yeah, but I will say, you know, that's kind of a final no- note on this that people always talk about how in retro, like in retrospect, as you get much older and you're looking back on your life, the kinds of things that you wish you had done more of and the things you'd wish you'd done less of, right? And so many of the things that that come down to this sort of like productivity checklist mindset are very often the things that people look back and like, you know, I really don't think I needed to spend all that time doing all that bullshit. Like I wish yeah. I would have like wrestled my dogs more. And like hung out with my kids more. Yeah. Well, I think and that's, that's, that's the know. sad part to me, which is that the, the reality is that you are, you're a person first. You're a human animal. Okay. You're an animal. A social so, animal. So give yourself, you know, the time that a, you would give an animal to be an animal of whatever kind it is without weird expectations of it somehow, I don't know, solving puzzles and like, you know, putting stuff. It's like you get to be just what you are also, you know. You yeah, you, you don't, don't see, you don't have like your dog going out and just like laying in the sun and being like, "Fuck yeah, this is fucking great," right? Mm-hmm. And then your dog doesn't come back in the house and be like, "Man, did I did I was my day was this worth it?" Yeah, you also did I you really judge contribute? Your, you don't judge your dog by that either. You're like, "Oh, what your a dog's good just dog. fucking vibing and just being a good boy," mm-hmm. or you right? go, You're "Big like, stretch," you know. Yeah. Say that to yourself sometimes because yeah. that's the reality. It's like you gotta if you can't. I think you got to develop the ability to do that, which is to separate that sense of self-worth from production, basically, and recognize yeah. that a well, lot I, of the worth is just in being a person, doing person things. Yeah, and I just, I, and I just like take the concept of worth out of it. Like to me, it doesn't apply, right? There's just you can't just, you just it. do it's stuff. Just, you're just you're just alive. You just you just get to be. You just get to exist. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the fact that we, you know, we live in a society, right? Stuff's got to get done, <laughs> yes. right? And you, you live, you live with other people probably, or at least you have relationships with other people. And that comes with all these sets of like handed down from societal above expectations that everybody has put on you and that you've put on yourself and that you've put into your context. And I think the, the really the core answer to this question is to, is that you need to sit down and try to figure out what are all of the expectations that I believe are on me? Mm-hmm. Where are those coming from? Right. And uh, what are the expectations that I have of the people around me? What are, and, and also my environment, right? And where are those coming from? How much of these do I actually care about? Right. It, uh, and the, the fun answer here is almost none of them, but it will turn out once you put that list together. And, and now how do I sit down with like the other people in my life to whom, again, I'm accountable or I think are accountable to me and like compare these lists and actually just figure out what actually is important. What, what do we actually want things to be, right? Um, and then how do we try to figure out how to just acknowledge all of this and like and manage it, right? Yeah, because yeah, these expectations also like they – whether or not we agree with them, we we inflict them upon other people too, right? Oh, because yeah. like one of, the, one of the things that you always hear about um, people complaining about for their workplace – is the kind of bullshit like the surveillance mindset that a lot of companies have, where they be like, "We're gonna like we're gonna put a, a tracking stuff on your webcam while you're working from home, and if you're away from your computer for more than a minute, you know, we're gonna 
uh, penalize you somehow, yeah. right? And it's and it has nothing to do with what you're actually doing. Are things it's just yeah. just because I and again that's the question. It's like I like to when I whenever we do our quarterly reviews and I talk to all of our people on our team and stuff. I'm just like, where are things at now? And what if like what what has progressed? Like what is currently yeah. hard is actually what but, matters, right? And if you look at that, like if you look at what the state of things is, and that's in, like when you're evaluating over time, right? And you ask, what was the state at that time? What is the state at this time? That gives you your answer of like what has happened in between, right? Cumulatively. Because yeah, the, the, all the, the tiny details don't actually matter, right? That's where you get into the productivity, uh, the productivity sort of grind set damage where like the little details don't matter actually, right? And if you're trying to measure those, that's where you get lost and you just – you lose the vision of what actually is truly important. Yeah, but there's like – there's an inverse aspect to this, which is not not about measuring all the little things that are happening, but about just feeling like it has to look like things are happening. Yeah. Right? And but so again, that, example, that's about your your, yeah, your your expectation management with other people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So like if you're in a relationship with somebody and they spend the entire day just watching Netflix – uh, some, some people in a relationship will like be at home and like see that their partner is doing this and they'll be like, this is wrong. They, they need to get up off the couch and go do some stuff. Right. Except why though? Right. Because again, like it's, it's Unless easy to be in a position needs where to be done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if, cause also like maybe there's stuff that they could just take care of tomorrow. Maybe they're just, maybe they did a bunch of stuff yesterday. Maybe there is nothing to do tomorrow, today or yesterday. Right. But there's this there's this feeling that you have where like if you if you uh, see somebody else just kind of chilling, not doing anything, that it's very hard for you to also not sort of like feel something ab- about that. And you got to keep that in check yourself. Yeah, well, and, you but know, I mean, and sometimes well. that's that's fair because people sometimes don't pull their weight. Right. But what that yeah. means, again, like is to, like this is all this context. Depend on expectations. It's, it's depending on expectations. <laughs> it, it can't right? just be that everybody has to be working at all times when they're in visibility range of anyone else. Like it's not yeah. you, life is not a stealth chores game where you have to avoid line of sight unless or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not how this is supposed to work. So. Yeah, I think this is something I've I've picked up from my wife, who is very good at sort of toggling between modes, being in like an intense execution mode, and then she can flip just over, f- just just chilling, the most intense, relaxed mode to be in, just sort of vibing, not even thinking about other stuff that's going to get done. And it's one of the things I was so like kind of jealous of in our relationship stuff is just the fact that she could not be in that constant state of self-evaluation during those moments of downtime. Right. Uh, and it's something I've, I've tried to learn from her. And I think it's been, it's been great because that's your point. It's like, yeah, we've, there's being able to give each other the space to not start inflicting production efforts on a person when they're just, yeah, being a person, you know, uh, enjoying some downtime, or whatever else is also, it's a very hard thing to do. Yeah. The uh, most beautiful some, gift you can give to somebody is just letting them, exist as a person. That'd be a person without, yeah. without again, tying this idea that they need to be doing stuff all the time in order to exist. Yeah. It's just, oh, yeah, it's but, it's, sh- but that's a nuanced sh- point though still, like, because we just be careful about it, right? Because you, you also can't justify like, oh, I'm just being a person as a way to then not actually work oh, 100%. towards helping the, the group that yeah. you're within, right? And this is where, this is where like, this is where these things get confused because people can't tell the difference, right? Between somebody being lazy, like in a sense where it matters, is in like there's stuff yeah, that there's stuff really that does done. need to be done. Other people are depending on you. Yeah, and you're just yeah. not doing it, right? Yeah. Uh, or or you're just making it so that everybody else, because everybody else will do it if you don't. Right, right. It's it's the weaponized incompetence sort of like angle on the whole yes. thing, right? So it's something you have to be careful about and like, and like really 
pay attention to the nuance because this doesn't mean oh literally just do whatever you want and like that's that's fine because yeah, definitely not no it's saying. yeah it's trying it's trying to it's just try to understand like what should, what what it actually what is meant by should or needs to be done right and like trying to actively intentionally and consciously work those things out collaboratively and openly with people instead of just because i think the core problem with all this is everybody has their own internal idea of what's going on yeah. and then they just like keep on sniping each other based on their mm-hmm. internal set or evaluating themselves based on their their internal set right um without actually coming to agree on like but what actually matters though and why right yeah i think a great like a great example of that would be something like if, if in your household you've agreed like one of you just takes care of the dishes and that's just what that person does, right? Um, except like dishes kind of accumulate continuously, you know. Yeah, my understanding of being of an adult is that it's just doing dishes for the rest of your It's life. just doing it dishes yep, the yep. whole time. Uh, so dishes just continuously accumulate, which means like – there will almost never be a time where the sink has no dishes in it, mm-hmm. right? It's busy at nighttime. Most everyone's unconscious. Yeah, hopefully, right? Um, yeah. But also, like, maybe maybe the, the dishes person just does them when they wake up in the morning and just clears yeah. the sink, right? And so the problem is, like, if you're the person who doesn't – who isn't the chosen one to do mm-hmm. the dishes – then you have to be okay with the fact that there will sometimes be dishes in the sink and the person who's supposed to do them is just chilling, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> They're just reading a book, watching a movie, right? And it's like, it's, you've got to adjust your framing of like the urgency of, uh, or importance of things that need to happen and be okay with like letting the person who's in charge of it handle it. And if there's, if it reaches a situation where you like, where you, uh, it, it seems like to have violated some, norm. you know, some rule, mm-hmm. some norm, then you talk about it, right? But there's also where there's, the risk, like when you have dedicated, like a dedicated chore person for a particular chore, right? This is also where that, because of exactly what you're saying, this is where the risk comes in of, because like you're saying, Dishes accumulate literally 24-7. Like, it's, I've never seen anything like it in my life, right? There's <laughs> just like, <laughs> just dish, like, we, we're a two-person, like I said, three-cat household because they have their dishes too, you know? But but still, like, we're a small household, and yet dishes just accumulate, right? By the end of the day, there's 3,000 like, spoons, I'm doing, 39 I just bowls. do some dishes, like, every time I'm in the kitchen, basically, or I put some, or I, like, rinse some stuff and put it in the dishwasher so it's ready to go for later, right? Like, literally every moment that I'm in the kitchen, like, some dishes are being dealt dishes with. Dishes happen. Right? <laughs> and this is what, and, like, and my wife does it too, right? And I kind of used to be the dedicated dishes person, right? But the net effect of that was that, Seth, exactly like you're saying, like, sometimes my wife would be like, I don't really understand what your system is because, like... You've basically decided – because, like, I decided I was the dishes person, right? So she's like, you basically decided that you're the dishes person. And yet yeah. sometimes I come in to, like, go cook something or whatever. And I got and no dishes, man. The dishes – and the sink is full and there's no clean dishes, right? So, like, how is this supposed to work? And I was like well, – Right. This but, is, of course, other times this is a she good goes point. in. Yeah, and other times clean and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So, so now there's a mismatch between yeah. – and this, and this is what creates that sense that when the person who doesn't do whatever that the other chore is, like – goes and inter- interacts with that thing and it's not in its ideal state, that's what creates the sense of like, oh, this thing is going to be done. Because also now I need to do it to like, because it's in the way, right? So what we try to do is basically just, is mostly just put it on like a on-demand system. It's like, it's like an if you see something, say something system, right? So like if I throw some clothes into the laundry basket and I'm like, oh, this is, this is looking full, then I take, then I have to go do the laundry, right? Or if I'm out of some clothes that I want, like go do the laundry, right? And my wife does the same thing. So on average, like the laundry gets done. Probably one of us does it more than the other because we have different thresholds for where we choose that, right? But neither one of us is ever like, oh, fuck, why didn't the other person do the laundry, right? 
Um, and we've tried to remove the expectation that one person does one thing by just being willing to do all of the things. And then always both of us knowing that we're each trying to stay on top of chores and keep chores from accumulating. Right. And cause as long as we trust that, then we don't like, we don't need to play the, like the scorekeeping tit for tat. We're like, how many chores did you do? How many chores did I do? Whatever. It's just, are things basically how they need to be right? More or less. And do we feel like the other person is like earnestly trying to, to keep things in that state? And I think, I think a lot of it is like that, that idea of trying to do more than the people around you, like having that be your goal, because you never, you can, you can't tell how much you're doing. Right. But if your goal is oriented around, like, I just want to, I want to try to do more than half. Right. Then whether you do or don't, you're still going to be doing a lot of the, the stuff, right? And if everyone is trying to do more than half, then now you add up to 100 plus, you know, 120% of chores happening or whatever. And everyone feels like they've got some slack, you know? Everyone feels like stuff is fine. Um, so, but it, but it all, again, it, it just, as you guys are saying, like, this is all just complicated social dynamics, actually, is what all of work and chores are. Yeah. And, and, you, well, and you, can, you can mitigate those dynamics, too, by talking about split- it. By splitting ownership. So laundry, great example. Yeah. My wife and I shared a laundry basket for 10 years. And literally just like a year ago, we were on a conversation because like we have different uh, times of the week where laundry like works for us and blah, blah, blah. But also like she started playing a bunch of tennis. And so she was oh, yeah, generating yeah, clothes yeah. like four <laughs> times the, the rate mm-hmm. that I was. And it was just kind of this, this thing where like the way that she was doing laundry – was different than what I expected based on like timing yeah. and other things, right? And we had just always been dumping all of our clothes in one basket. Yeah, you could like, just, it, it, just it, it just never occurred to us until <laughs> much, much later, like we can just each have our own fucking basket. And yeah. that way, each of our laundry will just get done based on each of our own terms. And it's it was, you know, it was like 20 bucks, get a laundry basket and you're good to go. And it's such a... It, to me, it's it's like the shared blanket problem where like my wife and I also don't share blankets in bed. We each have our own blankets and then we do, we don't fight over the blankets. And I know that that's like a, a source of contention among so many married couples <laughs> is <laughs> fighting over, over blankets. And there's all these things that we just kind of, we just kind of do. We share blankets, we share laundry baskets, we share all these things. And then we build all kinds of like weird resentments about how the other person is interacting with this shared resource when it, it literally doesn't actually have to be a shared resource in so many cases. So do that too, if you yeah, can. Change the shape of the problem. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we got uh, one quick uh, last question that I want to hit just because I want to hit two questions because, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and this is a game maker question. So Ooh. this is, comes from Dwarf Apart, which I think is like Bonaparte. Mm, nice. Like sort of. Uh have you guys ever experimented with 2.5D in Game Maker in the style of Octopath Traveler? I've been tempted myself, but I'm always weary of pushing an engine in a way that it feels like it's not meant to be pushed. That's a good that ladder thing. That's a good is, gut check. Yep, yep. Don't do it. Is my yep. I, we haven't tried and won't. No, if I wanted to do 3D, I would pick a 3D engine and yep. deal with and that. that. Um, yeah, now just to define kind of 2.5D, it's basically a game that has a 2D play space but exists in a 3D world. So you can think about uh, – Well, for example, if you if you can only walk – it's like a platformer where you can only walk left and right and stuff like that. But yeah. the space through which you're only operating on that axis – is actually a 3D space that goes deep, you yeah, know. It's basically a 3D turns. environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, uh, that's that's been kind of our 
we we try not to do anything with our engine that the engine isn't intended to do um, because we we already kind of ran into some stuff quite a while ago when we first started doing a lot of web things um, with Rumpus and like hooking up cloud saves with Bscotch ID like when we first started getting into that um, we ran into so many issues because even though that is something that is part of Game Maker and it's built in and it's documented and it's like one of its intended capabilities. Yeah. It, so as in, it can make web requests, right? Like it's, it can do web stuff. It's got that in right? there. Right. Yep. But so few people, so few game maker developers actually were utilizing those web requests that they were generally under tested and uh, on most platforms and uh, had a lot of just like strange behaviors and bugs and, and broken things platform by platform that nobody knew about until we started doing it and found them. And then we reported them. And and uh, it was kind of like a running joke in our studio for a couple of years that uh, like anytime we, wanna, we wanted to get a game onto a new platform, there was this several month period of us finding all of the HTTP yeah. bugs all the uh, edge cases. before we could actually do anything, right? Um, that That's all been resolved. And like the game maker team has done a great job of, you know, responding to those things. But it is kind of that downside of doing something that that is less common with a game engine. Just because that's like those things are, you know, as far as like where they sit in the puzzle of like how your whole scope of your game, right? If you're talking about like doing 2.5D, that's the basically operating within a 3D environment in a two-dimensional way is the foundation of the entire game, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so built into the entire design. Yeah, there's certain things where it's like you you can choose to continue using the engine you're using, um, knowing that there's going to be like a tricky piece in this case with us. Like, oh yeah, so we we know that these functions are essentially you know, yeah, web stuff is an add-on sort of a little that. rusty. Yeah, um, but that's a piece of the game. It's a small piece of the entire game, and so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, the benefits are still you know, very much worth it in terms of the fact that that's going to be a harder thing to slog through. But I think foundationally, if what you're dealing with is is you want to do a 2.5D thing, then choose an engine where that big, big, big sort of underlying core functionality of the entire game is very well supported and easier to work with because otherwise you're fighting an uphill battle for every single thing you do versus fighting an uphill battle for like this one weird specific thing. Yeah, unless your goal is specifically like, I think it would be fun to figure out how to do 2.5D in Game Maker. If that's oh, like, yeah. if that literally is Go for goal. It. Absolutely. Have a, have a blast, right? Because kind of going back you to the discussion, like you can do things just because you want to, you know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but if it's a good idea, if you're like trying to make a game to sell to people or something, right? So that's where I would say no. That's probably not. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so we know a guy who made a, a, a three, 3D, uh, gra- a 3D graphics pipeline in Excel mm. where, it, where, it used ex- where it used cells as pixels, right? And then it was like a, I don't know, like a 64 by 64 grid. And then formulas and scripts running on other sheets basically dictated the the rendering pipeline. And so you actually had a sheet in Excel. What was the frame rate on that on that thing? It was pretty good, actually. <laughs> it was like in the 20s or something. <laughs> Shit. Um, oh, that's wild. But, you know, it, it could render just like some basic polygons or like a sphere and stuff like that, you know, um, yeah. and, it, and it could like move the camera around, you know, and it was like, it was a legit like 3D renderer in Excel, like, right? So like you can, yeah. and honestly, like that's a fun That's a very right? cool thing to have done, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, you probably, that person probably learned a fuckload of stuff about Excel and 
and graphics pipelines, right, to do it. And oh, so yeah. it was it was probably worth doing, right? Yeah. But if the goal was to, you know, make it. But it's not worth anything to anybody yeah, else. Exactly. It was, right? Yeah, it's like, not worth anything right now. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing. It's like if you did, if I were to do a 2.5D thing in, in Game Maker, you're going to learn a bunch of really cool stuff that you can take yeah, into definitely. any other project, right? To, to add some depth, to do all sorts of funky stuff. Because most, most projects don't take advantage of Game Maker's 3D capabilities. So that's, that does give you an edge you know, for those things later. But I think, again, it's for those smaller things probably <laughs> later, not not for like an underlying system yeah. if you're going to do it right now. Yeah. And honestly, if you're doing it as a hobbyist, like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like do whatever is fun. Hell yeah. Right? If, well, if, in if fact, you're, if you're doing a, it yeah, for hobby stuff and for like learning stuff, you should do weird stuff like that. Because do as much weird shit as you can. That's, <laughs> that's where you learn the most is, is when you're is when you're operating kind of against what a thing's intended use is because then you you move all the way into the edges of like what's possible. Mm-hmm. And and it requires that you build such good, strong, and accurate mental models of like how the thing works that you can't help but develop like true expertise in the thing by doing. It. I mean, this is, it's basically mm-hmm. what a like a PhD in science is, right? Is is exactly the same thing where you just you figure out what the thing is, and then you just push into the space where things are not supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And and just be like, what happens if I do this? Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah. where yeah. now that's where knowledge comes from, right? <laughs> yeah. So have yeah. at it. Yeah, purpose. there's a reason why why there's a separation mentally like or, that we have between research and development, right? Development is what you do once you've got some answers and it's time to actually like sell some shit and make some money and mm-hmm. capitalize on things that you learned. Research is a whole separate thing and it's not intended to necessarily be useful. It's intended to to knowledge. collect knowledge and and figure things out so that you can then go into a development stage where you're actually like, okay, now that I've figured out all the reasons why that was a terrible idea, now I'm going to mm-hmm. do something good, right? Like there was a, a YouTube video of somebody who uh, who, who made a, a Furby organ, organ, like, like, a, like, a, <laughs> like church a church organ. organ. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, that's yeah. less creepy I love than it. my first interpretation of that. But. It, well, it, you would think so, but you should watch this video because it's creepy <laughs> as fuck. Because it's like when they turn the organ on, there's it's like, like 80 Furbies or whatever. And they <laughs> all just start like talking at the same time. Um, and then like as as he pushes different keys, different Furbies <laughs> start screaming in like different pitches and stuff. And uh, oh. yeah, it's like nightmare fuel. And literally nobody, nobody would ever this. want this. And yeah. he specifically said, he's like, this honestly cost me a lot of money. And, <laughs> yeah, I bet. it took a really long time and I hate it so much. But like, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, look at it. It's pretty crazy, you, right? Yeah, <laughs> the stuff that you learn. You know? like, that's, yeah, Going back like, to just being a person, right? Like, that's yeah. right. But, well, I think that's part of that that idea of R&D, Seth, like you're saying, but the part of that that people don't appreciate enough is that they think of R&D as a way to like develop new stuff, right? To like come up with new things, right? But the way that I see R&D mostly is actually to build experts. Like that's what it's yeah. actually for, right? So when you're dedicating company time to making sure people have Slack so they can keep on pushing into new domains and they can keep on doing process improvements, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, as a side effect, you get stuff, right? But the main investment that you're actually making is in creating in-house expertise. You're just – you're mm-hmm. building so much knowledge among the people that are doing the stuff that as a side effect – cool stuff happens, right? But the actual investment is in the people, not the stuff. Yeah. 
So, you know, take that time, take that time to play, do dumb stuff. Cause if you're just, if you're just doing stuff for, for fun, do whatever, mm-hmm. make it, yeah. make a 2d, make a full 3d game and game. Maker. Fuck yeah. Make a, you know, don't even make a game and game maker, make something else entirely, make a tax app or something, <laughs> you know, yeah. just do some dumb stuff. Cause you learn, you learn the most when you're, when you're pushing the back. Yeah, we have a, we have a fully fucking, you know, featured content management system with a, with a interactive UI and forms and stuff, right? Built-in game maker that we use to manage our asset pipeline, right? Like, it, yeah, is game is, maker good for that? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but we made it good for that yeah. by doing a bunch of random shit that you know. Yeah, and the, and the stuff that a lot we of learned and the, the side effects that we got from it are were just enormous, right? Yeah, you can you can do a lot when you when you push the boundaries. So, uh, well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa Costa, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.